Everyday Business Solutions, the podcast that offers you the right perspective on achieving success. Hello and welcome to Everyday Business Solutions. My name is Haley Morris. I'm your podcast coordinator and host. And today I have with me AJ Underwood. And AJ, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Yeah, thanks. I am the sales manager for AA Solutions, um, a software as a service company here in Toledo, Ohio. Um, We have five products, four products and and another lead generation uh, software that we offer um, so that's that's me in a nutshell. Do you want the entire bio? Should I start from the <laughs> beginning? Um, if not, that's me. Yeah. Well, um, you joined our company not too, too long ago. I think you recently or you were coming up on, what is it? I'm coming up on two years. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, it's been a couple of years. It, it flew by, especially with COVID. It has. Yeah. I was going to say, you've been here for a little bit now. Yes. Um, but what got you into sales and how did you find your way into software of all things? Sure. Well, in, in my previous life, I was in the airline industry um, and you know, helped grow a company. You know, at our peak, we were 400 employees, uh, 26 cities across the country. Um, and so even in a position of leadership at the time, you're constantly selling yourself, right? Whether you're at a boardroom or on a golf course or, you know, at a trade show or all of these things are consistent across every industry, right? And so while my title in my previous life wasn't necessarily sales manager, you are always selling yourself and selling your business you know, what services or products that you provide, even if you're at a higher level uh, in terms of, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you you specifically deal with contracts or you specifically deal with marketing or you specifically deal with some of these other things. The, the best leaders are constantly selling. Uh, so I felt like it was a some of the skills that I had learned doing that in my previous life transitioned well to this industry. Now, with that being said, transitioning from one industry for a decade and a half to another is absolutely terrifying. The good news is, is that some of the skills that you learn along the way are transferable. So you can use them regardless of where you're at or what industry. It's really a matter of learning how to speak the language. And then once you do that, you feel comfortable. It's... um. You definitely came from one industry that's been very, uh, struggled a little bit. They've had a lot of impacts. Instability. Yeah. yeah. A lot of impacts, whether people are able to travel or not with this current climate, it's a lot of ups and downs. And then like the whole, the regulations and things are so different. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with software, we've over the years become something that is meant to take your business wherever you want to go and meant to make business as flexible and accessible and as efficient as one would hope it could be. Right. So it's very interesting, your history, I bet, with that and looking back. Yeah. I mean, you know, and obviously the software industry, less unstable, certainly, than the airline industry. But the, the same amount of pivoting is required, you know, when the pandemic first started, many industries were forced to either A, uh, sink, or B, swim. And so the airlines have learned how to theoretically swim. Some of them sank, right? And so when the pandemic first began, we had a responsibility to make the same decision. 
So much like the airline industry or the food industry or the entertainment industry, the software industry also had to decide, do we want to sink or swim? Now, the good news is, is that businesses across the country decided we have to be a little bit more dependent on technology. We have to be a little bit more dependent on some of these software solutions, especially as we are faced with the scary decision of, do you keep everybody in the office? Do you go remote? Do you have some measure of hybrid setup? And if so, how do you do it, right? And so thankfully here at AA Solutions, we provide a means to businesses across the country to do that, to regardless of how their business is set up, regardless of where their employees uh, theoretically punch in every day, we have solutions that can keep a company running even amidst a scenario where their employees are not in the same office, perhaps even sporadic across the country. And that's an ongoing thing. That's something that post-pandemic, whenever that may be at this point, um, companies like ours have said, okay, there's going to be people remote indefinitely, or we want to be able to employ people across the country, but we don't necessarily need an office or want an office across the country. And so it's opened up your talent bracket, which is very nice because right now it's a little hard to get people in the in the door for an interview as is. Sure. So. Yeah, I mean, it's an excellent point. Um, you know, we've been able to secure talent in various parts of the country and without getting too deep in terms of what post-pandemic uh, life looks like, why would I live in New York City with those associated costs and the hustle and bustle associated with that city when I could work for a company in Toledo, Ohio, outside of the city, right? And so I think post-pandemic life is still developing. It's still unfolding. And you're right. Um, there are a lot of businesses that, for whatever reason, maybe they got, during the pandemic, maybe they, they got so big that the idea of bringing everybody back to the office isn't even possible, right? Because of all the, the talent and the, the growth that they experienced. So they, they have to remain some measure of remote or hybrid. Or sadly, perhaps the opposite. Maybe during the pandemic, a company did not thrive and they had to figure out ways to reduce overhead. Well, maybe we don't need this building anymore, right? If people can work from home and we can still see the same measure of success, even though we haven't experienced maybe growth or success during the pandemic, we can survive this by reducing some of our costs. So many companies took different trajectories pre and during the pandemic. What will be fascinating to see as it continues to unfold is what business looks like post-pandemic. So excellent point. Mm -hmm. And I like to study history from time to time. I usually study it through fashion. Um, but when you're looking at any part of history, you'll notice there are huge shifts and pivots throughout. You'll see a large one in the 20s and the 30s to 40s. The 1900s had a lot of them. But every time you see these shifts, you see a shift in the way people live life, the way they do business, the way they interact, and the way they approach things. There's been small shifts with technology going on for the last like 10, 20 years that have been really cool. But I think we're in one of those moments where this is the large turn. We're on the bend right now, but now we're shifting the perspective, the priorities, and the understanding of how you can interact and do business. And it's at a time where 
social media and other platforms are making how people sell and interact with sellers and buyers so much different. So you're right. It's going to be very interesting because the standard way of doing business is going to look so much different as we continue to move forward. So absolutely. And speaking of doing business and speaking of sales and everything like that, what we kind of came on to talk about today is actually more on the customer side than the employee side. And it's with the fact that a lot of people have realized in the last year and a half what they want. (laughs) And so we've always noticed that people who are unhappy are very vocal about being unhappy, but there has been a lot of opportunity where companies haven't have either met expectations, exceeded expectations, or done the opposite. And with that comes reviews Mm -hmm. and feedback from your customers. And my thing today that I want to broach, because you've been in a role where you've had to deal with feedback on many fronts, is how do you handle negative feedback, negative reviews as it comes in and as you start to move forward past that, whether you retain that customer or not? Sure. Never in a time in human history have consumers, customers, potential clients, prospects, etc., have they been more educated than right now, right? The advent of the internet and the ability to have company reviews at your very fingertips within seconds, right? And so the ultimate question is how do you how do you drive good reviews, right? It's it's human nature to not go to a website or fill out a suggestion card that used to go into a box. It's human nature to find the flaws in things. When you were a kid and you brought home your report card and mom or dad look at it and they see A, 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 C, what do they focus on? It's the C, right? Well, we can be better here. We can do better. So it's human nature when I have a bad experience or a perceived bad experience to want to focus on that. It is not human nature to sit down and take the time and write out a, this was the positive experience that I that I had because the expectation is I'm going to have a positive experience because anything less than that I don't want to do business with these folks I don't I don't want to you know continue to to patronize them so uh, the counter to that is you have to be far more engaged with your customers there is an expression that says at times silence can be deafening right. And so whether it's from a sales perspective or even a customer service perspective, um, you have to be actively reaching out to your customer base. Uh, And this is before any sort of complaints even surface, right? So it's the proactive approach versus a reactive approach. And so if you have customers, you know, if, if you're fortunate enough to have a CRM like Blitz that provides you the means to reach out to these customers and be reminded to touch base with them before they even reach out to you, you can find success with being proactive. I mean, you can get psychological, you can get, you know, philosophical in terms of how you keep people engaged and happy. But in my opinion, at the end of the day, if you can be proactive and make sure that you're reaching out and contacting the customers before they contact you, you can find a measure of success. Now, when you do field that negative review, 
um, I think the same approach is still in place. A lot of times between the review process and you know, individuals uh, you know, filing some sort of complaint, all of those things are done behind the safety of the computer screen, right? Uh, all of those things are done where I can simply type out a message. I don't have to look somebody in the eyes and tell them what I experienced or what I was unsatisfied with. I can just simply type something out, press, press enter, and I no longer have to think about it. The, the burden after I press enter is on the entity that I complained about, right? So when you do field those negative reviews, I think it can be just as easy to try to hide behind the keyboard, to try to hide behind our computer screens to respond, right? And you see that, right? You see that on review boards where somebody files a complaint and then you see below that response from the owner or response from the business. I feel any measure of response is a lose-lose scenario. There's really not much that you can say in that little blurb that's going to make whomever is reading that review go, oh, you know what, I side with the, the big bad business on this one, right? So I think how you approach a negative review is again engaging the individual or customer or prospect or client or whomever, engaging them with a phone call, right? Not necessarily admitting fault, not necessarily saying I'm sorry, but asking them, where can we improve? How can we get better, right? Because you will not make that negative review go away. Once it's on the internet, it's on the internet, right? It's out there. The only thing that you can do in that moment is figure out how we improve from here. Mm -hmm. I've seen something where it said the best way to respond publicly because they're people are looking for some kind of response, is to just say, you know, we're sorry that this has happened or something along those lines. One of our representatives is reaching out to you to help resolve this matter. You know, something along those lines where it redirects the conversation back out so people who are watching know that you're doing something, but that also, again, you get that private one-on-one -on -one where you're able to address their concerns and hopefully solve them or at least coming away, come away and have learned something that can help you better your business. That's an excellent point. And to what I had mentioned earlier, I think that's a brilliant response. Where, where you'd want to be careful is certainly making it appear as if you're in defense mode or even worse, argumentative mode. And then again, that's a lose-lose scenario. But the, the simple, clean response, apologize for your experience. A representative will be reaching out to you. That's brilliant. Anything above and beyond that, I think is a lose-lose scenario. It's excessive and it comes off as either too showy or, um, like you said, defensive or aggressive. Right. And Has anyone ever won a battle on the internet, just out of curiosity? Uh, an argument? Has anyone ever won an argument on the, the internet? A bad review. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually, or those like Twitter battles where whoever gets the most laughs sure. is the... I think that's how that works. Yeah, I'm not so. sure. I'm not entirely sure there's ever been a definitive winner in an internet argument. So, to your, you know, suggestion, I, that's a brilliant approach, um, and then and then you move on because anything above that is an internet is an internet argument, and you don't win those. Not truly. Not even like the person who left the negative review. What do they gain out of continuing that argument sure. online too? And at the end of the day, hopefully they're still a customer. They were a customer. You want to take care of them. So. Yeah, the and feedback like that can hurt. Sometimes 
you know, realizing that there was a gap that you left open or that sometimes just the human error of running a business, something slipped through that normally that's not part of your process. Sure. Um, and so that's, that's always a hard situation because it's like you might be at fault um, and it might not be something that like uh, was particularly like you could avoid. Somebody said something offhand and it upset the person or something just didn't work the way it was going to because of some error or whatever. Right. And it's always hard because maybe you couldn't impact that ahead of time or you couldn't have foreseen that, but you might have to still apologize and you might still lose that customer. So how do you respond in a situation like that where you you don't really have like that gratification of being able to solve their problem? Sure. I think there is a danger in believing this was out of our control. Now, with that being said, there are times where certainly the actions of an employee or something that that truly is in that moment out of your control is out of your control. However, did the employee say something that they shouldn't have because they didn't get the proper training, right? Did something happen because a process wasn't in place to potentially eliminate that error, right? And so I think it can be dangerous for companies to go, well, there's nothing we can do about it, right? When in reality, uh, you truly can look towards what I have always uh, called a root cause analysis. So in the instance that the employee said something that the customer was upset about, why did they say that? Were they having a bad day? Or did they not have the proper customer soft skills training, right? Maybe in that particular scenario, they didn't know how to respond to it. So what happens in a situation where you don't know how to respond, you shoot from the hip, right? You're making it up as you go along. And in those scenarios, you can find yourself in trouble and you can find yourself upsetting customers. So, you know, or maybe, you know, there's a, in our world, software, maybe there is a bug or a glitch, something that truly was, quote unquote, out of your control. But what, what things can be implemented to pretend or to, to prevent rather these things from slipping through the proverbial cracks? So it's important when you do feel the negative complaint to not quickly dismiss it, to not quickly disregard it, to really take a look at what the individual was upset about, why that happened, what caused that thing, and then what corrective action could be put in to prevent that from happening again. Now, in a case where an employee says something that is perhaps something they shouldn't have, whatever, whether it's an offensive remark or it's they didn't know, so they kind of pulled it off the cuff and it wasn't the right thing, right? How do you then go to your team member and start that correctiveness? Like whether it's a retraining sure. or um, looking to see what gaps in their, their education or their training need filled. Yeah, great question. So here at AA Solutions, we have a product called Align Phone Systems that provides call recordings. So whenever I have to field uh, some measure of a salesperson potentially said or didn't say something they should or shouldn't have on the phone. I actually have the ability to pull that call recording and listen to it with the salesperson. So 
This gives us an opportunity to hear what was said or what wasn't said together. Again, going back to the maybe we didn't know what to say, maybe they were having a bad day, maybe they shot from the hip and just said whatever, whatever kind of first jumbled and came, right? So you have an opportunity to listen to that together, reflect on it, and then go, assuming it isn't a a fireable offense, and then go, now that you're not on the spot, now that you don't feel that heat lamp, how, how would you have reacted? If this was said and you got an opportunity in life to press pause, to think about a response, and then say said response, that gives them an opportunity to still kind of feel a measure of pressure that comes along with being a salesperson or a customer service representative. But it also gives them the ability to formulate a thought and go, well, I should have said or I would have said this. Now, the next time they field something similar, we've now created a scenario through reflecting on that call recording of building muscle memory. The next time a customer says the thing that caused them to say the thing that they shouldn't have, they now can remember or channel back to the training that they experienced when they listened to the call recording and respond appropriately. So through a means of listening to the call recording together, getting a chance to think about what we would have said or done differently the next time, the next time it happens, we can respond accordingly because we've practiced it, we've thought about it. And so to answer your question, the ability to listen to a call recording, you know, many companies do it, they call it for quality assurance, but are they really using it for quality assurance? I think they can be used as a means of training to prevent these infractions from happening. Yeah, that's... I, you know, I was just helping up with a, a post that we're doing for a line today, and that was one of the things that um, we put in the copy is uh, whisper coaching, uh, call recordings. All of these things can help your team members feel more comfortable with their training and help as they run into these hiccups grow from them rather feel rather than feel like, oh, I screwed up, like they can't trust me or I can't trust myself or what do I do when I get on the phone, you know, making them feel more nervous. It makes them feel empowered and that they're supported in their role instead it's human nature the moment you feel proverbial you know the proverbial backed into a corner right we have that fight or flight right and so when we feel like we're backed into a corner we can make the mistake of lashing out right but when you feel like even during a conversation that the customer is potentially heated if you feel like you have the knowledge, you feel like you have the de-escalation abilities, and you feel like you have kind of the leverage in the conversation, you never feel like you're backed into the corner. So you're always clear of mind, sound of mind, and again, through some of the training that you can experience with a whisper coaching or through reflecting on call recordings, you truly never find yourself from a customer service standpoint or a sales standpoint backed into that corner. There's a saying that everything in life is a negotiation, and I'm pretty sure that many people who watch YouTube can hear the ad playing in their head for I forget what it is, but um, I took a negotiations class. They said the same thing, and one of the things that you learn if you take that mindset is that in a negotiation, you need to make the other person feel empowered and as if they're the ones controlling the situation, or they're going to get defensive and they're going to back out. And I feel like it's no different with your training and things like that. You're trying to help them get to a certain point where they can perform 
confidently and comfortably in their position and do extremely well in it. And so if you're coming at them in a situation where you're having a conversation or a negotiation, if you will, and you don't give them their own leverage or their own empowerment, they're going to back out of it. And whether that's a defensive tactic or they're just going to shut down and not take what you say to heart, it can be bad for your team overall and that person. Sure. You have to take an empathetic approach. Um, you know, going back to, to my airline days, you know, if we had a flight that was canceled or there was a mechanical issue and a young couple was going on their honeymoon, that was devastating, right? And so from an empathetic standpoint, you could go, how would I feel here, right? I would feel really frustrated. And so even though they may be upset, the last thing that we would want to do is match that intensity. And if we can approach every conversation or negotiation with an empathetic mindset, um, we can naturally de-escalate something. We can acknowledge how frustrating something would be, all the while providing some means of resolution. Exactly. So kind of going off that, if not all of your negative reviews are going to come from online or quiet feedback or um, during a cancellation call. They might come in the form of somebody calling up your rep and yelling at them. How do you train for that? How do you train that person to take in that immediate form of feedback, all of that immediate things? Because that, that is one overwhelming situation, can mm -hmm. put your rep in tears, it can get them riled up, and it usually strips away all that hard-earned training. So how do you train them to handle a situation like that? Most of the time, the first thing that you have to remind somebody is the individual who is upset is not upset at you personally, right? It's going to feel like that because they're yelling at you or they're upset at you, um, but they're not upset at you, right? And so understanding that first and foremost uh, is a huge step to making sure that we then take the appropriate measures after we have a chance to get a word in edgewise, right? right? Number two is listen. Listen to what they're upset about, right? Don't interrupt. Let them say what they want to say. And a lot of times, um, you know, people tend to almost talk themselves in, this, in circles. Or as they are upset about something, they'll naturally, because you're not interjecting, they'll naturally kind of circle back to maybe something wasn't as bad as they're making it out to be, right? So, you know, Understand not to take it personally. Give them an opportunity to, to speak, listen, and then finally respond empathetically. So don't match their intensity. Do not argue. Don't become combative. Um, understand, acknowledge the frustrations. That would be a very frustrating scenario, what you've just described to me, right? Um, and, and so now you have an opportunity from that point to go, because there may be, it just, it may simply be a misperception, right? And you have an opportunity to go, oh, I can understand how frustrating that would be you trying to do this thing and not being able to do it. Um, so if you don't mind, maybe I can do a screen share with you and show you the workaround or show you, or you can show me what you're experiencing, right? And then they do that and you're able to resolve it. Sometimes you're not able to resolve it. Sometimes they've got a complaint, whether it's justified or valid or not, and the, you know they're hitting the road, they're canceling, they're parting ways. Um, those three things are still into, into effect, right? Don't take it personally. Listen, 
take an empathetic approach. They will walk away from that conversation, maybe still seething about the thing that didn't work. But your response, your approach may ultimately be the thing that brings them back one day because they may find your competitor is not any better or they may find flaws in your competitor or the next thing they move on to. And they may go, you know what? Nothing's perfect, but I like the way that I was treated over here. So I think those three things exist still, whether you quote unquote win their business, keep their business, lose their business, don't take it personally, listen and be empathetic. Sometimes those situations, the product or the service is not even the problem. They're having other problems and it's this one little tiny nuance of yours that set them off and it's easier to direct their frustrations on your team members than it is to go home to whatever that might have actually frustrated our them or in their own workplace or wherever it might be. So sometimes it's just letting them wind themselves down will be enough um, or giving them space and time. Exactly. So it's a very interesting situation because I think that negative feedback, um, wherever it may come from, if somebody is in love with the products or service they sell, which sales reps I've learned and customer service reps, they like to work with things that they trust and rely on that they would use themselves. And we practice that in-house. Mm. But it, it's cool because then they have like, they feel comfortable, they feel fond of that product, that service. And when it doesn't work the way, you know, when it doesn't work the way they want or when something does happen, they might feel a little like, oh, we let them down type mm. of feeling. Um, so it can be hard. And then if somebody's yelling or negativity kind of bleeds out just like a smile can. So it's one of those areas though, but you want to turn it around so that one, you can respond to it and that hopefully in the long run it can work for you because ultimately what you're trying to do is not just drive in new sales, but it's retain those customers. So your customer retention is and employee retention because if you can retain your customers and keep them happy and have good training, you're going to retain your employees. But the customer retention is huge, and that can be the success for a business or not. Constantly bringing in new ones without retaining your existing ones isn't going to last you too long. Mm -hmm. So, Attitude is everything, right? So you're, you're 100% correct. Salespeople, uh, customer service representatives, we're usually really passionate about the thing that, that we sell um, or that we try to provide a means of support to, which makes it easier uh, for us to be upset or take it personally or become argumentative when somebody does something that we feel wrongs us because that's our product, that's our baby, and, and now you've wronged me. Um, but attitude is everything. If you've ever been on the road and you've been cut off by somebody, you have a couple options there. You can yell and scream and honk your horn or break check or do whatever, you know, or you can go, maybe they're having a medical emergency, Right that didn't change what just happened to you. You still got cut off, but your attitude, your mindset changes how you approach this, the, the, the infraction. So the same mentality can be used with somebody who is passionate about the thing that they sell or the thing that they provide support to. They're going to feel wronged. They're going to feel that infraction when somebody is yelling at them or claiming their product or service is inferior. And you can yell and scream and get mad and uh, you know, proverbially, you know, the proverbial break check, or 
you can say maybe they were having a bad day or maybe there is something legitimately that we have to take a look at here and adjust. So not to sound cliche, but attitude is everything. No, I agree. And it makes a difference with your own personal happiness if you're dealing with that situation, that impact on you. If you can bring a more positive attitude, it's going to keep you um, happier throughout your day, your work week, things like that. Um, it's just, it's a very, again, interesting situation dealing with negative feedback, but it's also part of doing business is you can't make everybody happy. Not everybody is going to be your customer or your ideal customer, or it's just sometimes things happen. Um, and it's how, how do you handle that? How do you respond? Um, instead of reacting immediately to a situation, what do you do to stop, assess, and then move forward? And then how does that impact you long-term? Because finding a short-term response and not looking back and reflecting for the long-term can also um, affect you negatively or not help you and not open you up to the opportunities of potential. Because maybe this customer wasn't happy about a certain thing, there wasn't a feature, or um, it wasn't compatible with something if you're selling a product or something. So, oh, is that something we could do? Could we open up an integration there? Could we open up the ability to do this? Is that something that works for us? Is there demand for it? Is that breaching a new market and connecting to new people? Um, Absolutely. I mean, that goes back to the, the root cause analysis. Don't be quick to dismiss or disregard a complaint, especially if there is a measure of pattern that develops with those complaints or with those negative reviews. You have an opportunity to take a look at the root cause. What is causing these, these complaints? And like you said, maybe it was a missing feature, right? So instead of, you know, quickly dismissing that, go, well, what would it take to provide this feature, right? Um, and so, yes, 100% to your point, don't be quick to dismiss. Don't be quick to disregard. Genuinely, and great companies do this, genuinely take the feedback, good or bad, from the customers and continue to build and grow and adapt. Yeah, exactly. So going back a little bit to earlier in our conversation, we talked about being proactive. You talked about, you know, touching base with your customers throughout the entire process. And um, I talked to somebody on employee retention. And one of the things is if the first time you know your, your employee is leaving is when they walk out the door, then you've done something wrong. And I feel like it's the same with your customers. The first time you know that they're unhappy is when they leave you then what did you not do before then? And so what are some ways that you look to generate feedback, honest feedback from your customers so that you can understand where they're at, where their their customer portfolio is, but also how you're performing as a business? Sure. For, for sales specifically, I think the number one area where you can gauge a measure of feedback is by requesting referrals. Right? Who else do you know? Who else do you believe could benefit from this product? And you can, you can usually gauge pretty quickly how they're feeling about the product if they're like, oh, yeah, I know, you know, I know three businesses that could use this or I know somebody that could use this. Um, reciprocally, they could come back with, I'm, I don't really think anybody could find a benefit from this or I'm, I'm not really sure that any, I know anybody. Um, so by asking for referrals, the ability to continue to, from a sales perspective, build your book and expand your portfolio, um, that's a huge way. 
individuals will let you know right away. Even if they don't come right out and say, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this, or you do this really great or you do this really good, by simply asking for a referral or a referral opportunity, you can genuinely gauge the temperature of how they feel about your product or service. So on the sales side, number one is referral. And then number two is just a call, a check-in. How are things going? Is there anything that I can help you with? Do you have any questions? Um, I encourage my sales team to always keep the conversations positive. How are things going? What's been your favorite feature so far, right? And that keeps the conversation alive. They may say, my favorite feature is X, but you know what? I've had a concern about Y, right? And then you have the opportunity from a resolution standpoint to go, well, here's the answer, which is Z. Um, So I think just checking in and i and i when i say check in i mean pick up the phone and have that human interaction or schedule a virtual meeting together just even if it's for five minutes ten minutes gauge the temperature of how they're feeling Um, and then keep it positive what's been your favorite feature so far something along along those lines so referrals and check-ins it's interesting that you you say that because i know feedback forms and just asking for reviews is a popular way that companies like to go. But the personal touch, like you said, seems to be the most impactful and honest way. Whether somebody might not, if they're on the phone with you, want to come right out and say, well, I actually can't stand what this one feature is doing. But they might poke at it. And then you can, like you said, get to that root cause of what's going on before it becomes a bad review or it becomes a complaint or it becomes a bigger issue that affects how they interact with the product or service. So it's interesting because, again, you said phone call. Like, make it a personal objective. Make it a personal matter to connect with your customers and get to know them. It makes it a huge difference on how they feel, too, with your your service that you provide. Like, you know what? It's not a perfect product. Maybe I have a little something with my business. I wish it did a little more of this. That's common. Everybody's business is completely different. Every individual is completely different. But they love interacting with your team, and overall the functionality is A+. So they're probably going to be a lifelong customer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In in sales, whether it's business-to-business or business-to-consumer, the individual you're selling to or the entity that you're selling to They want to like you. They want to like your company. They want to like the things that your company stands for. Um, And so there will always be, you know, things that maybe might not check all their boxes. There there may be some perceived missing features, so to speak. Um, But like you said, every business is different. So it would be an impossibility to appeal to every single business. So how do you counter the lack of ability to appeal to every single business. It's building rapport, establishing a relationship, having that personal touch. And I know all of those things can sound cliche. But again, the consumer has never been more educated. And there are a lot of companies that, um, you know, I, I want to fall short of using the word manipulate, but try to convince their customers or consumers to leave positive reviews. And those are very easily identifiable. If you go onto any site that has reviews, the five-star reviews typically have no comments, right? Because a company said, hey, if you leave a five-star review, you get this. Um, and the one-star reviews or the two-star reviews have the comments. And so when you see an overwhelming, all these five-star reviews with no comments and all these one or two-star reviews with comments, 
it's easy to kind of weed through the nonsense and go, okay, well, I don't know if this is a company that I want to do business with. So it is dangerous to go, hey, give us five stars and you get a $10 credit. Um, I think it's more important to build a rapport, build a relationship, have that personal touch, and then people will be more inclined to go to your site or to go to Google or to go to another website and go, you know what, Haley is really great to work with. I love working with this company. You know, I'm not a big fan of this feature or I, do, I love this feature, but I'm now providing a positive review with my genuine feedback. And that's, and that's what you look like, look for as a consumer is genuine feedback because you might not like everything of it, but if you understand what you're getting into ahead of time, it gives you like more comfort level when things come up or more comfort level with addressing those things. I've seen the five-star reviews with no comments. I've also seen giant long paragraphs and tucked somewhere in there is a really large critique about they actually didn't like the product. Mm -hmm. But they kind of hid it in there because they wanted whatever incentive was given to them to provide a, a review that they didn't honestly believe in. Right. So, and that can be detrimental because as soon as I see those, I'm like, I don't want this product. Mm -hmm. So, all right. I think that's it for my questions. Did you have anything else that you wanted to bring up that you think would be valuable for our listeners? No, I appreciate the opportunity um, to come and chat. I think the next big piece that employers have to tackle outside of customer retention is employee retention. And so that's probably another entire conversation. Um, but there, there really is a fine line uh, between how companies are successful with re retaining customers and how co companies are successful with retaining employees. And if you can be good at one, um, usually you can be good at the other, right? Because a lot of the same logic applies. A lot of the same approach applies. These empathetic approaches, you know, these the ability to listen, the ability to provide genuine feedback, etc. So uh, I think great companies have both of those figured out. How do we keep our uh, customers? How do we keep our employees? And those companies are the ones that are thriving pre-pandemic, during the pandemic, and ultimately post-pandemic. Exactly. I couldn't have said it better myself, and I don't think I know many who could. Thank you, AJ, for joining us today. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in for this episode. We'll see you next month.